42! Blue, 42! Hut, hut, hike! This is The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5, America's one and only sports talk show. Breaking down college football's biggest games, latest news, and greatest moments. Are you ready? Because it starts right now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Game Managers Podcast. I'm Nick Norris, and with me, as always, is my great friend and public opposer of the holiday of Mother's Day, Justin Knight. Yeah, I hate Mother's Day. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, We're not anti-Mother's Day on this show. No, I, lo- I love Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, and a lot of work goes into Mother's Day. They have to get, you have to make, you have to make the, the breakfast for the moms. Mm-hmm, yeah. Got a you got a bomb of present. You got to give them flowers. Flowers, good yeah. stuff. I think. Yeah. Hey, when's a National Sons Day? That's a good question. I'd say National Sons Day. You think that's a real thing? I think National Kids Day is a real thing. I think National Sons Day is a real thing. There's, because I'm pretty sure there's National Daughters Day. National Sons Day is Wednesday, September 28th this year. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. I think. Well, Justin, we're going to talk about a lot of different things in this episode. We're going to talk about a lot of controversy, some Alabama controversy, some Nebraska rule breakers, some uh, some Auburn Tigers fun coming up in Israel, and many other things. Uh, Tampa Bay, Louisville, the Raiders controversy. There's so much controversy this week. And then, of course, we're going to talk about the biggest butts in NFL history, which I think will be fun as well. So, ready to dive into this this just 15 minutes of, of controversy today? Let's get it. Come on, what you got? All right. Well, Alabama cornerback Eli Ricks was arrested Sunday evening in Mississippi for speeding, not having insurance, and a first offense of possession of marijuana. Ricks, a former five-star recruit, was listed Monday morning as an inmate by the Jones County Sheriff's Department. He was booked at 5.14 p.m. Central Time after being arrested by the Mississippi Highway Patrol. Um, however, because this was his first offense, his bail was set at $0. It seems like it's not a huge deal, but, uh, you know, never ideal to have to spend the night in jail. But uh, I think he's going to be... All right, maybe learned a, learned a little lesson and is going to get out of there relatively quickly. Maybe get some insurance, too, while he's at it. Maybe get some insurance, yeah. It's probably, probably a good idea. Uh, continuing with the trend of, uh, of controversy, former Houston Texans and current Arizona Cardinals star receiver DeAndre Hopkins has been suspended for six games to begin the 2022 season violating the NFL's policy on performance-enhancing drugs. This is going to cost D-Hop $5.223 million, around that range. I think he'll be okay. a lot okay. of money. Yeah, I think he'll be okay, but that is a lot of money. Uh, yeah, he, he, but most of these guys probably use PEDs, so it's no surprise either. He claims that this is this that the test was false, that something went wrong. Um, you know, I mean, maybe, but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'd say a lot of these guys have uh, have experimented with PED or other other things. So, uh, yeah. Sucks, but uh, it's not like he's going to be out for significant games. You know, six no. six games, that's, that's a chunk of the season, but not the whole season. Nebraska coach Scott Frost is also in some oh, controversy. No. Did you hear about this, Justin? No, I, I did not. Scott Frost has had just a, a wonderful, successful year, career, I should say, at Nebraska, wouldn't you say? I'd say so, yeah. He's brought Nebraska back uh, to their glory days. Yeah. Um, I think he might have even won a couple games doing that. Uh, that's it. Not many. He has received a one-year show-cause order and five-day planned suspension after breaking rules for countable coaches. Additional penalties for the program include an extended probation until April 9th, 2023, a reduction of on-field coaches for two practices, and a $10,000 fine. The case was decided using the NCAA's negotiated resolution process, which is available when on institution does not dispute the facts or alleged violations. This sucks for him because uh, he got caught for cheating and he didn't even win any games. Mm, yeah, it always sucks when you're a cheater and you still suck. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't get it. You see this happen more often than it should because it's with all the technology and access to everything, it's so easy to get caught with these things. I mean, I don't even know why people do it in the first place, but I guess at this point he's just trying anything he can to get an upper hand because he's at the bottom of the bottom. And he's probably wishing he would have just stayed at UCF. So, yeah, I, I don't get it. I don't understand why anybody even tries this stuff anymore. Maybe if we were 50, 60 years ago, sure, go ahead. You're probably not going to get caught. But now I don't I don't get it. He is, uh, he is 15 and 29 mm. um, at Nebraska. Not very good <laughs> to be caught cheating. No. That's over one, two, three, four, five... That's over four years, so that's that's not ideal. Yeah. Mm. Well, maybe they'll bounce back. I, at what point did they fire him? It's got to be close. I'd say probably after this year. Yeah, four and eight, five and seven, three and five, three and nine. I mean, that's that's at this point you're you're like you're heavily involved with the program. Obviously, all your recruits are in place. <clears throat> like you're playing your guys. Yeah, I don't know what the excuse would be. The here. only benefit of doubt I will uh, give him for this past season is uh, the amount of games he lost by single digits. I mean, it was it was a pretty good bit. Um, now, of course, I'll, I'll put that on him too. You could say it wasn't good coaching that he lost so many games by single digits, and yeah, I think he blew a couple of games. But he was in just about every game they lost. So maybe he can have a chance to turn around this season. But... Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't get your hopes up. Don't hold your breath because it's probably going to be another three and nine season. Well, before we get into more controversy, we've got one one little fun story to break up the next like five controversial ones. So I'm gonna I'm gonna get into this one. I think you'll like this one, Justin. So fulfilling a plan that Auburn Tigers men's basketball coach Bruce Pearl has spoken about for years, the team will travel to Israel for a ten day visit that includes three games. Will play in, and I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher this. Tai Avi and Jerusalem facing off against the Israel U20 national team on August 2nd and August 6th 
and the senior national team on August 8th. College teams can take an international trip every four years, and Auburn, uh, Auburn's most recent trip was uh, to Italy in 2017. So that's pretty cool. That's an interesting, nice. uh, an interesting different kind of different kind of place. I like this. I know Michigan uh, football does this a lot, where they take different trips to uh, abroad, and I, I think that's that's cool because you are kind of teaching these guys you know, some, some different cultures and different experiences and seeing the world. Yeah. And that's neat. Like, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good to do. I think it's a good, I mean, honestly, especially for basketball too, since you have um, fewer teammates on that. I mean, I think you have, maybe it's like 12, 13 or 14, something, something like that amount of teammates and uh, basketball team. But I mean, that's a good bonding experience. You know, you get to know a lot of the teammates, um, especially if you're coming in as a freshman, I, Especially basketball, you have a lot of new guys coming together since you see a lot leave after um, maybe just one year or a couple of years. So I think it's a great opportunity. Yeah, the guys get to know each other. And then, yeah, you get to see a country you probably would never go any other time. Um, so, yeah, I think it's a great opportunity. I think it's pretty neat that they do this. And, and it feels like Michigan goes every single year. It doesn't seem yeah, like they they're doing it every I, four years. Uh, I Yeah, I don't know what the rule is while they can go so often they have i don't think they've went since before 2020 i think this okay. is the first year they're going back but yeah they go a lot i don't know what the rule is i think that um maybe the rule for basketball is you can go across and, and play abroad whereas there's no maybe no mm. ban on actually just traveling i don't i'm not gotcha. sure but that was it that was our last that was our only little nice story the rest just more controversy so you're ready All to dive back into it yeah <laughs> Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith proposes having the FBS conferences operate under the umbrella of the college football playoff and letting the NCAA take care of championships for other sports, such as basketball. We have talked about this a little bit, the, uh, the possibility of college football kind of breaking away from the NCAA, from maybe the SEC operating on their own or some other entity kind of taking over and everyone migrating to that. Seems like Ohio State, uh, at least their athletic director, wouldn't mind that. What do you think uh, the chances are of something like this happening in the next five years? So what's his plan? He wants just uh, people over the FBS to kind of have control over who makes what and how they choose championships and things like that and playoffs. Is that what his plan is? Yeah, he's wanting kind of like, I guess, more power to the college football playoff. And then they're like kind of the governing body for who makes it. And then everyone else kind of does their own thing. Um, Yeah, I don't know how you know how close this will be. There's no way NCAA will lose grasp with probably their biggest moneymaker. I know March Madness is probably pretty close, but um, college football is definitely the biggest moneymaker. Yeah. Uh, and see, once once again, you know, at the point you, if you want to um, form your own entity and get, uh, get away from the NCAA, are you really even a part of college sports anymore? It almost feels, I mean, that's completely different, is it not? Yeah, like, yeah, it's its own, it's its own thing. It's just its own thing. So it's, I mean, that's, it's, I don't know how that, it's kind of strange. I mean, I, like, like I said, you know, NCAA, they make a lot of questionable decisions and have, for a long time, but I don't know. It 
just going off and doing their own thing, then you're really not part of a college athletic system anymore. Now you're just your own entity who will bring yeah. in its own money and so forth. Then you're basically a professional sport at that point. Um, and it sounds so, messy. Yeah. Like it, because, very messy. Yeah, because there's no there's no standard. Like no. NCAA See, that, is already messy because there's no standard on, you know, scheduling. Like yeah, you, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of games you have to hit, but there's no, you know, there's a, a lot of cupcake games for certain teams. Alabama has been notorious for that. Ohio State has been notorious for that. So it's already messy. So you're you're saying take you know Ohio State's athletic director is saying taking it even a step further where there's just they don't listen to the NCAA at all with the football, and that sounds crazy messy to me. Yeah, that that would just be that's just too much because then there's no backbone of anything, and it seems like anybody could do just about anything because you know they're not going to have any FBS leaders that are going to come together and put in the strong system. That's just not going to happen, and you're going to have the issue with that as well as I think there's going to be some strong bias to some either certain teams or certain conferences and you know like I said I think it gets like it's just not it doesn't make sense it can be a little messy well uh there was also some some more rumblings this week about some changings in the NCAA according to Heather Dinich and Adam uh, Rittenberg with ESPN the American Football Coaches Association, the AFCA, is seeking to institute a pair of, quote, transfer windows into the calendar of college football. Those windows would run from the final Sunday in November through the early signing day in December and from April 15th to May 1st. If added, players would, be, would only be allowed to enter the portal during those windows. Under the current format, players are only required to enter the uh, transfer portal prior to May 1st. I like this because it makes it more manageable. It makes it kind of more like a um, like a national signing day type deal. Um, and everyone knows when people are going to be entering the portal. So I think there should be kind of a, an assigned date for this. What do you think? Yeah, they're basically copying what um, soccer does. You know, soccer has, they have two transfer windows if you want to leave a team. It's uh, January and then they have it from, I believe it's uh, July until the end of August. It's like two, they have transfer windows. Um, so yeah, it's a neat idea uh, because I think a lot of coaches want to try to trim down on when these transfers are happening. Because uh, right now, like you said, they can happen at any point. Um, yeah, I think I'm fine with that. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. Maybe you could change the dates. Some of the dates, maybe I would maybe offer more dates because I don't know. It could be kind of hard, maybe for some kids. I don't know. Um, it's completely different from college to a professional league where they transfer have transfer windows. But I think it's a neat idea to kind of help with what's going on in the transfer portal right now because, as we know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah, I think that you you know you could extend it to a full month, maybe April first to May first or something like that, but. Yeah, I like the idea of though having that uniformity and knowing when this is going to happen. Oh you know, yeah, it, yeah, it would relieve a lot of you know program stress too if this was to happen. So yeah, I don't mind that. I think if that was to happen, that would be um, that would be kind of interesting. But we'll see. I don't know what the process is or how long that takes for something like this to go through. Probably about uh, ten to twenty years, or if it even will. So 
Yeah. Uh, Louisville football coach Scott Sattersfield, he thinks there was uh, maybe some funny business that brought former uh, Louisville wide receiver Tyler Harrell to Alabama. Oh, gosh. The coach, the coach stopped short of outright accusing the Crimson Tide of tampering to bring the star receiver to Tuscaloosa via the transfer portal. But he did say, quote, I think it's not only him, it's happened before here. That's what he said to 24-7 Sports on Thursday. Last year, we had a few guys that jumped into the portal, and the next day, they're announcing where they're going. You can look at that and know that something went on before they were in the portal. Yeah, I mean, this is happening. It's it's widely known that there is some tampering going on, that people, you know, teams are reaching out to these kids before they're entering the portal. Uh, but to call out Alabama specifically is a... Uh, is bold, first of all, if, if you don't have any proof. And secondly, uh, maybe he's just trying to get his name in the paper, you know, and his program kept relevant. But uh, I don't know. What uh, do you think? He's just calling out the big dog. Um, yeah, uh, well, we've already mentioned how bad the transfer portal has been. And um, I think now with the uh, money deals that certain programs have, yeah, there's probably there's definitely going to be some tampering, I believe, um, before these kids enter the transfer portal. Uh, there's no doubt that probably still that goes that goes on 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 a daily basis. Um, I mean, even like like the Tennessee situation where that dude went there for what eight million was he transferring somewhere or was he just coming out of high school? No, I think he was coming out of high school. Okay. Well, there's probably some kind of weird situation that nobody in their right minds choosing Tennessee. But if you're getting offered eight million, that'll definitely help. Um, but yeah, it probably it probably happens. Um, oh yeah, there's you know schools that know how to get away with it, keep it under under wraps where nobody finds out about it. But yeah, I mean it happens. He just wanted to call out Alabama just because it's you know the biggest college football program out there. Out there, so I'm not surprised. Yeah, and I don't doubt that there's a possibility somebody at Alabama is doing this because when you think about how big coaching staffs and recruiting staffs are, they're pretty significant, they're pretty large. Um, but, you know, if you don't have any proof, it is kind of interesting to call out one specific school. Uh, but, you know, if they feel like that's happened, then, yeah, call them out. You know, that's that's in their right. So And it's just because, yeah, uh, their wide receiver went to Alabama, so he's like, oh, what the heck? They must have done something kind of shady. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of shady, the Las Vegas Raiders parted ways with team president Dan Ventriel on Friday, posting a brief statement on social media saying that he was gone and they would have no further comment on this time. Very strange to just say he's been dismissed. There'll be or they have parted ways. There'll be no further comments. Later Friday, Ventriel gave his side of the story. He's trying to get ahead of this, so um, he told the Las Vegas Review Journal that he was fired in response to his reporting to the NFL that team owner Mark Davis was ignoring concerns about a hostile work environment. Ventriel said he confronted Davis about these issues, but when Davis did not respond, he went to the NFL. He texted this statement to the Review Journal on Friday. I'm going to read this to you here for quote. Uh, Today, Mark Davis terminated my employment as president of the Las Vegas Raiders. I've committed almost 18 years of my life to the success of the uh, Raiders as general counsel and president. 
I take that responsibility very seriously, which is why multiple written complaints from employees that Mark created a hostile work environment and engaged in other potential misconduct caused me grave concern. When Mark was confronted about these issues, he was dismissive and did not demonstrate the warranted level of concern. Given this, I informed the NFL of these issues and of Mark's unacceptable response. Soon thereafter, I was fired in retaliation for raising these concerns. I firmly stand by my decision to elevate these issues to protect the organization and its female employees. I remain committed to doing everything in my power to support the Raiders and the Las Vegas community I now call home. I've retained counsel and will have no further comment at this time. Uh, so the key thing to me there is that he singles out that um, he says that uh, he was he is going to uh, defend female employees. This says to me that maybe Mark Davis has some complaints of some sort of, uh, I don't know, some sort of, you know, misdemeanor offenses for <laughs> that's not the right word but some sort of offenses here with uh with female employees it seems to be the truth yeah word. um i'd say it's a little it doesn't look good when you fire uh fire somebody after they just uh released a report to nfl stating their concerns about uh what's going on in the workplace over at the raiders organization um yeah, it's it's Mark Davis. The dude's already kind of creepy enough. You just look at him and you kind of get chills. So it would <laughs> surprise me that he's doing he's you know not really treating everybody um, how they're supposed to in the workforce. Uh, it's probably it sounds like the situation with uh, Washington uh, when they're the Redskins before they changed the Commanders. Um, you know the owner there had some issues with how he treated women, and you know I don't even think they ever did anything about it. I think they just. Well, they do slap him on the wrist with something. I, I don't know if anything ever happened with it. But, um, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't be surprised with him. And just the fact that he fired this guy once he brought up concerns, he's like, crap, man, I should have never hired this guy to be president. Man, what a mistake. So <laughs> he's going to try to cover his butt the best he can. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is interesting. And so if, you know, and we're going to hear other sides of the story over time. But it was weird how it happened because, like I said, that social media post gave no context to anything. Um, and then this kind of comes out. He gets, uh, Ventriel kind of gets ahead of the story, giving his side of it. Yeah, I'm interested to see what other things come out. But, um, yeah, this doesn't sound good for the writers, I'll be honest. It sounds like they could have a serious lawsuit against them and that they probably have an issue with the treatment of female employees, which the NFL is cracking down big time on right now. So, yeah, who Devontae knows? Maybe he got fired. Just rethinking getting traded there. Yeah, he probably should be at least. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we're gonna keep an eye on this. Like I said, this is early days stuff for this whole situation. But um, I'm sure by next week's episode, we're gonna have all kinds of sides of the story. It's gonna be kind of blow up and get huge and probably get pretty ugly because it seems like it already is getting that way. Mm. So uh, the NFL did say they became aware of these allegations, take them very seriously. And we'll promptly look into the matter. So, yeah, I think within a week's time, we're going to know a lot more about this entire situation. Whew, a heavy news segment this week, Justin. A lot of mm. a lot of just controversy compared to most weeks. Um, yeah, at least you know they're making it interesting for us. I guess. So, 
now, though, that we are out of the news, it is time for our weekly weird news segment of the week, Mismanagers. Peculiar and wonderful and terrible and bad Mismanagement and mystery and dreams you never had Grizzly or grievous or beavers with cleavers Audacity and specialty and news to drive you mad It's a wonder any one of us can manage to survive In a world of, world of mismanagers All right, we have a few big stories this week um, Now, Justin, it would be easy for us to just talk about the Alabama sheriff who went out of town with her prison break husband or whatever boyfriend that everyone is talking about worldwide. But I feel like that's, that's hey, too big of news. Yeah. They're gone. They're probably gotta be, they're, they're on a beach somewhere living it up right now. Oh or, yeah. They're, or either she's dead in a hole somewhere and he's living it up on the beach somewhere. Also possible. Cause he apparently yeah. tried to kill his last girlfriend or maybe did. I don't know. But, I mean, he was, well, he was in jail for capital murder. Um, yes, and yes, probably was going to yeah. get executed at some point, I would believe. Yeah. So yeah, it's quite possible that he was just like, hey, but you get me out of here. And then, yeah. sure enough, bit So. Well, as, as weird of a story as that is, I feel like it's that so is pretty. They're going to make a movie out of that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. But it's so blown up that I feel like everyone already knows about it. So I tried to find some different stories here. Some other things, weird things going on in the world for this week. And this one comes from independent.co. A woman found a 2,000-year-old bust of a Roman general in a Texas thrift store priced at $34.99. And it is in impeccable shape, actually. It's very, uh, very great shape. I don't understand... I'm trying to wrap my head around how someone gets in possession of this and they have an zero idea of what they have. I mean, what do they think it was? Just like a, uh, it was just a fake. Someone had put it together. So they're going to sell it for 35 bucks. Yeah, I guess they thought it was just like some crap that was bought at a, you know, some you know how crap. like you go to, you go to like <laughs> Ross or TJ Maxx and there's just some like crap off brand, <laughs> like, uh, statues and busts of people i guess that's what they thought it was uh but no so it's two thousand years old yeah who knows how much that's worth i mean the lucky lady who got that for 35 bucks yeah it's uh yeah because she's gonna make a lot of money if she sells it to like a private collector or something because they can or like a museum or something like that oh yeah uh and other weird news a 78-year-old man in Sedale, Louisiana, was unable to get a good grip on a squirrel that was attacking him on April 26th, possibly because the squirrel was, quote, eating his hand, according okay. to police. Um, KATC-TV News reported that the man was trying to choke the squirrel who inflicted, quote, significant injuries on the victim. He's expected to make a full recovery, but police said the man was walking around outside when the varmint came at him from the direction of the roof without any provocation, in a uh, prescient pre-scold, police said, while this story might sound funny, the incident was serious. Uh, so, yeah, that's... Uh, I would hate to get attacked by a squirrel. That sounds terrible. Yeah, attacking squirrel. I would think it's probably rare that that happens. I don't really hear many stories of squirrels attacking people. And this one sounds 
just so random to begin with. He walks outside and just comes flying off the roof and attacks him. (laughs) You would think he would have done something to this squirrel beforehand for it to just come out (laughs) and attack him. Maybe we'll hear the the squirrel side of the story in due time. I hope so. Yeah, Yeah, because, I mean, just an attack with no reason doesn't make any sense from a squirrel. They have better things to, uh, to worry about. Nuts, their tree. <laughs> in other news, Sheriff A.J. Smith of Franklin County in Florida had a, uh, a tough day recently. His deputies conducted a, quote, controlled buy that day involving Smith's 38-year-old daughter, Kristen Kent, who was charged mm. with trafficking methamphetamine. The Jeez. sheriff, whose office features a sign saying, quote, we don't meth around, admitted this case uh, hit him in the face when his deputies arrested a, a different woman for trafficking. She told them she had gotten the drugs from Kent. My daughter, he asked. Yes, sir, she answered. He called it gut-wrenching. Still, mm-hmm. he said Kent would receive the same treatment uh, he recommends for others who get caught in meth's effects. Uh, he said, methamphetamine does not discriminate, and neither do we. That's a nightmare scenario. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's, you uh, that's pretty tough. Yeah, But it sounds like I, he's handled it uh, pretty professionally as well. Because, which is yeah, good, because a lot of the times that's not what you get, <laughs> you know? No, um, no. So, yeah, that is good that he is kind of handling it, you know, professionally and and. It seems like there is no discriminating going on. Going on but what a slap case, in but... the face, though. You know, you yeah, like oh, you yeah. raise your daughter Part the right way, then all of a sudden she's out using meth, and you're a sheriff. Yeah, that's brutal. <laughs> that's yeah. that's mm. pretty brutal. Um, and in our last story of the day, with the help of a fine-feathered friend, investigators in uh, Buncombe County, North Carolina, are finally wrapping a cold case from 2020. Uh this is Nellie Scullivan, a woman in her 90s, was determined to be missing in 2020, but her body was never located. Nevertheless, her granddaughter, Angelie Wemsley, it's a good name, 46, and Wemsley's boyfriend, Mark Barnes, 50, were arrested in December 2020 on multiple charges, including concealing a death. On April 14th, a couple out walking their pet duck, Justin, discovered a container after the duck wandered under a trailer where Wamsley and Barnes once lived, Sullivan's remains were inside. Wait, stop uh, there. Let me just get this straight. Someone was walking their duck? Someone was walking their duck, and the duck sniffed out a body. Like a like a, a, a hound Like a dog. Like a hound dog. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure I heard that correctly. It's kind of early. Uh, Sergeant so to make sure Mark my ears Walker... <laughs> Sergeant Mock Walker said, if I could give that duck a medal, I would. I think you can. Who's stopping you? Do it. Yeah, I mean, we give dogs medals. <laughs> yeah. Um, get up other animals medals. Yeah, give that duck a medal. <laughs> he said, so the body Wamsley was found Barnes, under the trailer? Under the trailer. And the sergeant mm. said that uh, Wamsley and Barnes continued to collect Sullivan's social security and retirement oh. benefits and fill her prescriptions after her demise. Nice. Mm. Yeah. Good on the duck, though. That's fun, I think. Yeah, it's a smart duck. All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about the biggest drafts in NFL history, but we do have to take a break, so uh, we'll be back in just a moment. (laughs) 
You're listening to The Game Managers on WJLX 101.5. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Game Managers. I'm Nick Norris, and with me is Justin Knight. Howdy. Uh, Last week, we had an email. If you'd like to email the show, by the way, you can do so at GameManagersPod at gmail.com or reach us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGMPod. But we had an email asking us to look at some of the biggest draft busts in history. We're going to do that this week um, on NBCSports.com. They have an article titled NFL Draft Busts, The Worst Picks Ever Made. And Justin, I just thought we'd go through some of these. Most of them are relatively recent, so... uh, We'll be able to kind of give some thoughts on this as well as discovering some from the past. Um, I'm going to start out here. We'll just take turns reading from this article if you have it pulled up as well. But the first, uh, the first pick here, John Ross, number nine overall by the Bengals in 2017. Um, this is not a name that probably it may sound vaguely familiar, but probably not from anything to do in the NFL. The Bengals took a shot on John Ross to be the speedster to take the top of a defense. And when a team drafts a receiver in the top 10, they have the expectations of being that number one threat. Uh, but that was never the case as he moved on after four years. Uh, John Ross. I don't know if it was kind of unfair for him to be one of the biggest draft busts of all time, though. I mean, he was he was okay. I remember him being all right. I think for some reason I, I felt like he was hurt. Wasn't he hurt a pretty good bit? Uh, I f- it sounds right. I don't know. There's not a lot I know about honestly about John Ross I'm gonna pull him up here no um, yeah because he I don't know who I don't know if he's still playing in the league or if um I believe he's on another team it looks like he was with the Giants last year but maybe a free agent right now okay yes so he's probably I don't remember him getting any reps in with the Giants yeah I mean I guess I don't know it feels like it can be kind of unfair but because there's some times where he did show potential. But, you know, if you are the number nine overall pick, you expect to be pretty good. But that's that's fair, I guess. Whatever. All yeah, right, Kevin like White. That's, that's, ooh. Oh, go, go ahead. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. What'd no, you no, have no, to no. Say? Please, please, please. Continue. No, Kevin no, you White. had some insightful info. What'd you have to say? <laughs> well, I was going to say, like, um, you know, it, it, it does suck for John Ross. Uh, but... Like, you know this is going to happen. Like, you're going to take some risks sometimes in the draft. Not everybody can work out. Like, sometimes, you know, people are hurt. And uh, you said that he was he was injured. He was. He uh, he missed the mm. season opener because of a, some sort of knee injury. Um, yeah, you know what? I think he's dealt with a knee injury the past few years. Yeah. So, I think that's kind of, yeah, I think that's kind of poked at him for a while, but... It's, it seems like every year at the season openers, he's he's got some kind of issue and it kind of affects him for the re- remaining part of the season. So that sucks. Yeah, yeah, sometimes you're just dealt a bad hand. Like, you know, if you are if you have a knee injury, it's hard to run. <laughs> it's not really his fault, I don't think. Yeah. yeah. All right. Kevin White, um, be honest with you, this name doesn't even ring a bell, so this must be a good option right here. Uh, he was the number seven overall pick by the Bears. Ah, uh, the Bears. They've known to have great drafts, right? Uh, hmm. This was 2015. Uh, apparently, he was very good at West Virginia. He, As his uh, senior season, he had 1,447 receiving yards, 10 touchdowns, and uh, he was the second receiver off the board in 2015. But 
he would only catch 25 passes in the NFL uh, through the 2020 season. He was on the 49ers practice squad. While several wide receivers drafted behind him, uh, Stephon Diggs, who's been very successful, Tyler Lockett, who's also been very su- successful, and Devontae Parker, who's been pretty good with the Dolphins, uh, they've been, you know, they've had good careers so far. So, yeah, I, I guess this guy's not even playing anywhere unless he's on a practice squad somewhere. Um, I haven't. This name rings zero bells, but when you only catch 25 passes, I guess it makes sense. <laughs> yeah. You not make you can't you can only make so much of a splash if you're only catching twenty five passes. That's uh this one's interesting. I think we'll have more to say about this one. Uh the number three overall pick by the Jaguars in twenty fourteen, quarterback Blake Bortles. Um Yeah. I mean this is an interesting one. He was drafted uh third overall to be the franchise quarterback in the twenty fourteen draft. And you know, there were some good moments. Like I like Blake Bortles. There's some things he does well, I think. And he, you know, he reached the 2017 AFC Championship game. But after that, not much going on for him. He'd had to leave the, uh, after the 28th season and has now played for four teams in four years since departing Jacksonville. Meanwhile, the Jaguars, um, you know, they're, they're, they've moved on to Trevor Lawrence, hoping he can be their next guy. But what a, what a, what bad luck to, because he, he played at UCF. Is that right? Yeah, and he won the Fiesta Bowl with UCF. Um, so bad luck to like get to be in your state to stay in Florida and then it just not work out. That yeah, that kind of sucks. You know, this is another one where I guess since he was number three overall pick, you expect to be very successful, and you know he really hasn't been. But to be in um, in his defense for him, you're drafted by the Jaguars. Already a terrible thing. You got to deal with that. Yeah, uh, to lead franchise. the Jaguars to the AFC Championship game and play the Patriots pretty closely. I mean, they were one game away from going to the Super Bowl, the Jaguars. Um, I think that's just a huge success in itself. Who cares what else, all the other things that happened, his other failures and not playing very well. He was decent enough to take this team to an AFC Championship game. I think that in itself is a pretty big deal, but... Yeah, I mean, you're number three overall pick. You're expected to be pretty successful year in, year out. And now, for the rest of his career, he's just going to be a backup guy. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say it's a bust with you going number three overall, but maybe the Jaguars should have picked somebody else. I don't know. But in his defense, he took him to the AFC Championship game, so I'll let him, I'll let him have that. Yeah, and, yeah, I mean, that – I mean, I imagine that's difficult, too, because, I mean, I know he's making a lot of money, regardless if he's riding the pine or what, but to pick up your life every year and move to a different city or different state, that's, you know, that takes a toll, I imagine, on your family and on your life. You're, you know, you're losing your friends, kind (laughs) of, right after you first establish them. Yeah, like, a lot of these guys, they are kind of, you know, they're, Obviously, they make a lot of money while they're there, but it doesn't necessarily mean they enjoy it. <laughs> you know that they're having a good time or anything. You can make money yeah. and be miserable. That's you know, oh, that's yeah. a thing that people overlook sometimes. Uh, uh, what what we got good. next for us? Yeah, I like this one right here. This was good. Uh, Trent Richardson, uh, running back at Alabama, very successful. He he had some great seasons with Alabama. Um. He had trouble consistently getting back to the line of scrimmage on carries after looking solid as a rookie, let alone delivering on his position in the draft. So he was number three overall pick. 
He uh, busted again with the Colts, who traded a first-round pick for him. He was a rare double bust. So, yeah, he did nothing in the NFL. Absolutely nothing. I um, mean, he so, was so, such – he was a huge talk coming out of college because oh, yeah. he was, he was like it says, he, he was a beast in college. Nobody really stopped him. Dude was built very well, and he was a great running back. But once got to the NFL, I think he – he started getting overweight. He's kind of like an Eddie Lacy, right? He he got overweight. The biggest issue too with like Trent Richardson in the NFL, because I'm I'm a huge Trent Richardson fan. I, he was one of my he's one of my favorite running backs to have watched in college. But he, he's a guy that probably could have gotten a lawsuit against probably Alabama, but definitely the NFL. Because this was right kind of during the concussion stuff going on in the NFL. And the Browns ran him like 70 plays a game. He ended up going blind. I don't know if you know that. Um, I think we've talked about it a little bit on the show. But by his like third season, he couldn't hit the hole because he couldn't see it. He lost his vision. Like He is almost completely uh, blind uh, and from all the concussions and head injuries. Because Alabama ran him a hundred times a game, and then the Browns did the same thing. So, like, this is a guy that's just absolutely abused by the two teams that used him, <laughs> yeah. and it had all this natural and, and talent, and worked hard for the you know for the additional stuff, you know, and then just to have it beaten out of him was like it was honestly kind of terrible to see. And it's it's crazy to me that he's never tried to sue the NFL or anything because they have li- they literally took his eyesight from him. Well, that's intense. Probably because he has no recollection uh, recollection of what happened in yeah, those probably. years. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably honestly. Uh, yeah, I'm a big Trenton fan, but yeah, he he didn't make much of a, a splash in the NFL because he was just beaten to death. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's I think that's the, the that's a lot of these guys. A lot of them. They they were drafted, you know, in the first round for a reason, but they were just beaten to death. Uh, I think Jamarcus it was years Russell. ago. I think it was years ago. I, I remember. Um, I think I saw him. Uh, he he was bowling at Oak Mountain Lanes. Um, it was years. He, he was bowling there. I don't know why. <laughs> I guess it was it was what once he was out of the NFL, he was bowling there. That was the only time I ever recall seeing him or anything. We ran in, into him one time when he was in college at a Krispy Kreme in Hoover. Oh, nice. And, um, and you know, that dude is absolutely, or uh, I don't know how, what he is now, but at the time he was absolutely jacked, just the, uh, yeah. the most muscular guy in the world. I think, I know he was known for having like 3% body fat, which to most people like would nearly kill you. <laughs> Not oh, many yeah. people could sustain that. Um, no. But every once in a while, he'd have a cheat day, and we were at Krispy Kreme on one of his cheat days, and he just ordered like three dozen donuts. It was just going through them like a maniac, because he's huge. You know, he's like he's, he was like two hundred pounds of pure muscle or whatever. He, whatever, he, whatever he eats, he eats a ton of. I was about um, to say, yeah, I won't do anything to him. No, yeah, exactly. One cheat day every year or whatever isn't going to hurt you that yeah. much. So he was just tearing through these donuts. I remember thinking like. <laughs> I remember thinking as a kid, like, that's the coolest thing ever. I want to be that guy when I grow up. <laughs> uh, here's an interesting one. This is Jamarcus Russell, the number one overall pick by the Raiders in 2007. Uh, the article says that he is a prime example as to why you don't draft someone based on a fantastic pro day. 
the mm. LSU product could throw the ball over a building, but that's about all he could do. Weight issues and work ethic questions were two main factors in him being unable to develop, and he never found a second chance in the NFL. Yeah, you can only. I feel like pro days can. You see this a lot because it can like change a view of a player because you see them get out there and they can run super fast and they can bench press 225 pounds 67 times or whatever, you know. Yeah. But if they didn't stand out in college, there may be a reason for that. And even if like they look great on paper in these little drills, not all those drills translate to the field, you know. Oh no. Like like bench press helps. If you're strong, that helps. But that doesn't translate just because you're good at bench pressing doesn't mean that you're good at blocking or whatever. Yeah, you know, if you so. don't have the on the field smarts as well, it it's you, yeah. it's almost useless. You know, you can do all the stuff off the field and you you know, you have this incredible natural athletic ability, but if you can't do you can't watch film or you don't know how to look at certain if you're an offensive player and you don't know how to read defenses, um you know, it's almost kind of you're almost kind of useless. Um oh, yeah. it's it they're, they're two in one can't just have one without the other um so yeah a guy like this once you make the mistake of they ask you if you watch film and they give you a blank tape and you say yeah yeah i watched a lot of it it was good you know i learned a lot and you lied about it i, I doubt you're ever gonna get a chance again and as we see he did not no. um yeah. <laughs> what a terrible <laughs> it's awful mistake to make i mean it's simple as just Put the tape in and see what's on it. If there's really, oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's so easy. Is that what else is he doing that he can't just plug it in and be like, okay, let's see what they sent me. <laughs> so I think that's hilarious. But yeah, the pro day stuff that you know, like Malik Willis is an example. They've put in a lot of hype into him from his pro day, and he was what fourth round pick, I think. I know he went to the Titans. Um, so. Gosh, we'll see if he's even able to do anything. I mean, he played at Liberty. Um, and, you know, I'll say th- the same thing. You know, I have Carson Wentz who played at a FCS school. And, you know, he was successful there for a couple seasons. But since his injury, hadn't done anything since. Um, so, yeah, I don't expect much from Malik Willis. I think he has a lot of athletic ability. But, you know, only so much can translate over from college, especially with the competition you're facing. Well, uh, we're running short on time, so let's wrap this part up here, but I do want to come back to this in another episode. Maybe we'll do a part two where we talk about uh, some of the guys that came before those few. Uh, But we are running over. Justin, we need to get to your segment, uh, Mm. The Learning Corner with Professor Knight. All right, students, gather round and put on your listening ears. It's time to visit the Learning Corner with Professor Knight. What are we learning today, Professor? Very quickly, Justin, the fastest Professor Knight you've ever done. Yeah, this (laughs) is good because since we want to focus heavily on bust, I just, you know, picked May 8th. What happened today on May 8th in sports history, okay? Uh, so let's okay. go. 2018, uh, James Paxton for the Mariners. He threw a no-hitter against the Blue Jays. Uh, 2014, oh, nice. uh, Jadavian Clowney. He was the first pick by the Houston Texans. Mm-hmm. You could also say his whole draft stock was because of one hit on one player. That's why he was the number <laughs> yeah. one overall pick. Yeah, that game against Michigan. Yeah. 
Uh, let's see. Mm. 2010, the last piece of old Yankee Stadium falls in the Bronx, marking the end mm. of the two-year uh, demolition process. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, the Colorado Silver Bullets all-female pro baseball team. It's their first game, 1994. Uh, let's see, 1993, uh, Lennox Lewis. He beats Tony Tucker in 12 rounds for heavyweight boxing title. Uh, let's see. I'll do another good one here. Mike Tyson, uh, 1988. He crashes his 183,000 Bentley on uh, Varick Street in New York City. Mm. I literally can't That's imagine never. that. I can't imagine doing <laughs> something like that. That yeah, breaks that, my mind. Insane. Yeah. But the amount of money, he's probably like, ah, no big deal. Oh, really yeah, care. he doesn't care. He was the richest athlete in the world for a minute or whatever. So, um, so in 1973, Ernie Banks, he fills in for Cubs manager uh, Whitey Lockman, who's ejected during the game, technically becoming baseball's first African-American manager. It's on a technicality. That's cool. 1973. It's pretty neat. And we can do one more here. Uh, 1967, Muhammad Ali is indicted for refusing induction into the U.S. Army. Oh, yeah. We've talked about that before, too. Big, big story there. All right. Well, thank you, Justin. Actually, uh, I'm, we- so, I'm so sorry. Let's do one more. This, I think this one's pretty cool. Okay. Uh, 1947, a movement among card players to protest its first meeting with Jackie Robertson and the Dodgers is aborted by talk from owner Sam Breeden. So I guess this was around trying to get oh. uh, Jackie Robinson with the Dodgers. Yeah, that is big. Well, good deal. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about we're going to give out our biggest awards of the week, the TGME. So stay tuned. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Game Managers Podcast. I'm Nick Norris. With me is Justin Knight. Hi, <laughs> and we're about like, to give I out. Forgot you expected a response from me. <laughs> we're about to give out our weekly awards, the TG Emmys, and I'm going to give out the first award. Oh, you always do. The award for making a 1996 Adam Sandler comedy movie into a real prophecy goes to one Happy Gilmore, a high school sophomore who shot an 80 with a 10 at a local U.S. Open Q. A real kid named nice. Happy Gilmore. That's oh, awesome. good for him. Yeah, that's pretty cool, I think. Yeah. Nice. Hopefully he's uh, successful like Happy Gilmore was. Yeah, very much All so. Right. What do you have for us, Justin? Uh, yeah, my award, I, I believe it was this week. If it wasn't, it happened you know, pretty recently. It goes to uh, the biggest sore loser. That's uh, Ryan Tannehill. He was asked after the draft, when they drafted Malik Willis, you know, what kind of coaching you're going to have on Malik Willis, kind of mentoring. And his response was, I don't think it's my place to mentor or coach him in any way. (laughs) Um, So, you know, you could take that multiple ways. You could say, yeah, it doesn't seem like he's excited to lose his job or excited that they drafted a quarterback. Seems like he's on the way out. Or he's just not a great guy. But, you know, in his defense too, he's probably pretty ticked off um, that they drafted a quarterback. But also, in the Titans' defense, Ryan Tannehill hasn't played very well. He's the reason they lost to the Bengals because of his mistakes. Yeah. So, I don't think he's really in a position to be upset about that draft pick. Well, the award for High School Athlete of the Week goes to Carbon Hill's Laney Keaton, who this week signed his letter of intent 
to play baseball for the University of West Alabama. So congrats nice. to Delaney. Uh, there's an interview with the future Tiger player up now on WJLX 1015's Facebook page if you want to track oh, that they're, down. But, uh, they're the West Alabama awesome. Tigers? I think so, aren't they? Oh, I don't know. I, yeah. Just, I, didn't, I didn't realize that. That just seems so weird. The West Alabama Tigers? Huh. That's what they, they know are. that. Yeah. Uh, our best of the week award goes to Rich Strike, who came into the Kentucky Derby race, the lowest odds among all 20 horses, and one of the biggest upsets in Kentucky Derby history. Rich Strike is the official winner of the 148th Kentucky Derby. He closed at 80 to 1 odds, the longest odds among all 20 horses. Uh, very good, hey, I, I think. We. Me and Jordan put this on TV, and I saw his name. When we turned it on, I think it was like 2.30. So it was still, you know, four, three or four hours before the race started. At the time, he was 96 to 1. And I, I was just like, hey, let's, I'd put my money on him. Why not? He's the lowest odd. Thinking in my head, yeah, this guy's not going to win. This horse's not going to win it. There's a reason he's the lowest yeah. odd. And the fact that he won it, and because we missed it. So I just wanted to see who won. And Jordan told me he won it. I was like, no way. We should have thrown all that we had on this guy. I mean, oh, 80 yeah. to 1, that is a big money day. It's a big return, yeah. Uh, bust of the week, the opposite of best, goes to once beloved and now shunned golfer Phil Mickelson, who mm. we learned this week had reportedly piled up over $40 million in gambling losses over a four-year span. That's that's $10 million a year. That's not good, I think. <laughs> yeah, Phil, let's see. You know, it's kind of unfair for what he has to go through right now. He made some questionable comments, but, you know, I think we need to get past it. I think I believe he's playing the PGA because he won the PGA Championship last year. Um, but he made some terrible comments. Let's move on. But, yeah, the gambling thing, oh, yeah, that's been known for years. I'm not shocked yeah. at all that he lost that much money. He is that's a notorious a gambler. He yeah. would, I mean, the dude care. <laughs> I think they had a clip of him one time at the Masters. He just had $100 bills falling out of his pockets. I'm pretty sure he carries <laughs> around cash at all times just so he can just gamble or bet with other players. That's crazy. Uh, in our last segment of the day, we got to get to listener letters. Let's hear that little intro, I think. Here it comes. Go getters, write letters. We're the ones who read them. Please don't stop writing in to fill the time we need them. We are reading letters. If you would like to reach the show, do so at GameManagersPod at gmail.com or at TGMPod, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. What were you saying, Justin? I was just saying, if the guy that made those intros is listening, hey, good job, man. You're awesome. Good job. I love you. I think. Yeah, I love them. The good stuff. Uh, we're just going to do one email because we're short on time. We're already going to edit this episode down. But I have an uh, email from Jake who says, What is the most upset you have gotten over a sporting event? Mm, most upset. Mm. Uh, for me as a kid, it was probably the canback. <laughs> so I, <laughs> I talked a lot of trash on, uh, on Facebook in 2010 as a. I don't know, 11-year-old or whatever. Yeah, never um, a good idea. Yeah, yeah, and then they came back and beat us. So, yeah, I was pretty upset about that. Uh, what about you, Justin? Gosh, it was probably um, probably the 2013 National Championship and seeing yeah. the 
decent lead we had in that one and how well we played in the first half. And then Malzahn stopped the bus, shut it down, and said, we're just going to try to play with our lead right here. Yeah. Um, that was pretty – it was also frustrating to see on that final drive where Trey Mason – I think it was like a 25-yard uh, rushing touchdown. And the moment he scored, I remember me and my dad, we told each other, we were like, we scored way too early. and we're, There's no way we win this game. Because we, hmm. he, we were hoping he would fall down to try to run out some more clock. Um, but he ran it in. And like I said, there's like a minute left. And I still remember that moment thinking, I wasn't happy because I was like, there's no way we win this game. The way Florida State's been moving the ball against that defense, no. We're going to lose. Sure enough, lose it with 10, 15 seconds left on that last play. Um, that was pretty brutal. Either that one or the um, 2019 Final Four. Um, yeah. Gosh, that was pretty frustrating just because it's so hard for a team that doesn't have the pedigree of other big uh, blue bloods to get back to a Final Four. Um, gosh, that that was that was pretty brutal. That was heartbreaking almost. I don't know if almost as upset, just more heartbreaking. The Florida State Auburn one that was kind of frustrating. Um, but yeah, the national, the Final Four, that was that was almost just heartbreaking because it was just like wow, we're this close to making it to the national championship game and having a chance to win it all. That was pretty brutal. Well, thank you everyone for listening. We are out of time, but uh, great we question. Will be back. Yeah, very good question. Please send us some more emails at gamemanagerpod at gmail Uh, But we'll be back next week, same time, and we will uh, see you then. Goodbye, everyone. Have a great week, guys. We're Eagle anyways. Blue 42! Blue 42! Hut! Hut! Hike! Thank you for listening to The Game Managers. Like the show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at TGM Pod. Until next week, goodbye, adios, and sayonara. Sayonara.